Hello, and welcome to Impact Ed. I'm H.D. Chambers, Superintendent of Schools for A-Leaf ISD, and I want to welcome and thank uh, those of you who are listening to today's episode. We're going to, uh, it seems like I say this every time we start, but we're going to talk about something that doesn't get discussed that often, but it is actually, in some ways, the backbone of, of educating kids, and that is our transportation system. I, there's not a person listening to this that has not seen a big yellow bus somewhere in their community, their neighborhood. Most likely there's not a single person listening to this that didn't ride a bus at one point. No matter how old you are, at some point you rode on a school bus or your children rode on a school bus. Unless you're in the business, you have no idea what goes on to even get to the point where that bus is on the streets and what all it takes by the men and women of transportation departments to make sure that it's a safe ride and it's a secure ride. Uh, and, oh, by the way, it actually gets them to where they're, <laughs> they're supposed to be. So I have invited uh, two gentlemen from the Ailey ISD Transportation Department, and I'm going to let them introduce themselves and give you a quick little backdrop on who they are and what they do and why they're doing it. But then we want to get into a discussion about what does it what does it take to get that bus on the road and for many taxpayers out there, I think it's worth worthwhile knowing that some of your tax dollars are going to the transportation of students across this district. And, and just what does that mean? So, But before we get into that, let's make a few quick introductions. So, uh, Richard, if you don't mind, you'll start. And if you'd follow and just uh, introduce yourself and talk a little bit about what you're doing, and, and then we'll get going. Hello, my name is Richard Torres. Um, I'm the director of transportation here at Aleaf ISD. I've been with Aleaf about five years, um, just some a quick overview of my background. I've been in transportation, pupil K-12 transportation for about nine to 10 years. Um, I've also had the opportunity to work at a a different perspective. It's still with buses, but I I had uh, an opportunity to work four years from a bus manufacturer perspective. I got to be able to learn and understand how buses get built, the different options and so forth. But pretty much my, my, my entire career has been in transportation, and not only in K-12 and not only in bus manufacturing, but also the commercial arena. It, it is an, an arena that I'm very proud of. Uh, I've got to be able to, to work in different facets, different uh, d- you know, dynamics in each area. And so I'm really proud and, and I really feel blessed to, to be able to, to be in that type of arena and to see what we do day in and day out to get kids to and from school. Thank you, Richard. My name is Ron Scroggins. I've been with uh, A-Leaf ISD for 24 years. I grew up in Las Vegas, Nevada. I uh, met a young man at a Walmart here in uh, Houston when I first moved down. And I seen his outfit and asked some questions, and uh, that's how I got started with A-Leaf. You know, it's a big responsibility, a job that we do for the kids as far as uh, getting them to school safe, getting them from home safe. My schedule starts at 6 o'clock in the morning and sometimes doesn't end until 7 o'clock at night. Yeah, you put in some time. Yes. I want to thank both of you for for doing this. This is uh, like in any discussion on an issue. It's one thing to have the leadership's perspective. Uh, And Richard, for those of you that didn't pick up on that, Richard leads our transportation department. But it's another thing to have the perspective of those that are actually in the field doing the work. And it's, it's similar to me. I'm in the superintendent of this district. And I can talk all I want about things, but if you want the real perspective, what's really happening, talk to the classroom teacher. Or in this case, talk to the driver. Talk to the person. And Ron, with you doing it as long as you've been doing it, I'm sure you've got all kinds of stories to <laughs> to uh, uh, that go along with that. But uh, so let's just kind of jump into this, Richard. If you don't mind, to the casual listener of this, talk about what does 
the transporting of students look, look like in terms of a, a day in the life of the transportation department and all the moving parts that are happening that a lot of people don't even realize. People in our district don't even realize all these moving parts, just to give a flavor of what's happening. Absolutely. It all begins when students register at campuses or, you know, at at our school districts. Um, We have respective software that is used to be able to register kids. And then, of course, once those kids are registered in the system, then we have, of course, a routing software where we are able to grab that data where kids are registered and then bring that data into a map set. And we have routers that look at that data, and of course they do it by grade level, and then they actually design routes and identify bus stops for these kids of where to go. And of course we have a a very powerful software package that does that. And so our routers basically, what what they do is they, they basically create, identify bus stops, assign kids to those bus stops, and then we somehow tie those all in. Of course, ALEAV does a three-tier routing scheme. So what that means is that when our driver comes in in the morning, he has a specific route, and that route will consist of a high school, an elementary, a middle, in some cases an intermediate, and then there, of course, is other shuttles and tutorials involved. So that router plays a very, very important role in basically designing, laying out, identifying where the routes are at, and then putting the routes together. We utilize and we implemented a system about two to three years ago called SmartTag, where drivers now have a, an iPad that they're required to keep with them once they board the bus. It's an instrument that they have with them at all the times. And that instrument communicates with the data that we store in Edulog. And it, what that tablet does is very important for us because it allows drivers to know that when when kids board those buses uh, we're able to identify whether that you know whether that student is on the right bus the wrong bus the software's so powerful that it knows exactly when through GPS and so forth that when a bus is approaching a stop that software's so unique and so dynamic that it knows exactly what kids are at that designated stop So it's very powerful for us. It's also a very important safety tool that we use uh, to make sure that, you know, we're picking kids on time and so forth. But it goes way beyond that. Um, So once that routing perspective is done and once it integrates with SmartTag, we have other departments such as dispatchers. And dispatchers are like air traffic controllers. Their number one priority is to make sure that the driver, of course, is there present in the morning. Uh, If there's a driver that, of course, gets sick or if there's a route that's not covered, it's that dispatcher's responsibility to get that route covered. So there's a another very important element dynamic that plays uh, with that role. And then there's other departments such as uh, field trip coordinators and charter coordinators. Um, our bulk of our responsibility is the AM and PM route structures of taking kids to and from school, but we also assist and facilitate all the other uh, programs that take place in between route time and all the athletic activities that happen after school, which it does encompass another element. So we do have other areas such as field trip coordinators, charter coordinators that have to build those routes as well. There's a lot of time and effort that's made to ensure that we have proper coverage and making sure that we identify safe locations, safe bus stops. And then, of course, you know, the drivers, you know, we Mm -hmm. have to have the necessary drivers in place to be able to get these kids to and from school. And I want to emphasize that when when I started here at ALEAV, I have to emphasize is that I was blessed to have a very good team. 
a lot of the team that we have, so the routers that I talked about, the dispatchers that we talked about, those all started as, as drivers. And so we have a lot of a lot of core staff that started from the bus driver level and they moved up. And many of them have been with us for many years. And right. so they know the area. They know A-Leaf. You could mention a particular bus stop and they know exactly where it's at. Right. And so to me, that's a huge, huge blessing. If we want to continue on that. We have, of course, you know, the mechanics. You know, we have to have these buses rolling. Like any type of equipment, uh, equipments are going to fail. You're going to have a, a tire. You're going to have a, a check engine light. And you have to have the respective team in place from a technician perspective to be able to diagnose those mm. those items. And as school buses have evolved, you know, if you look at your school bus now compared to your school bus back in the 70s, there's a lot of technology that has evolved and changed. And so you have to have the respective technician in-house to be able to diagnose those with laptops and so forth. And so it, it is a huge department, and I agree with you. I think a lot of times when people see a school bus on the road, they don't realize it is a science, yeah. you know, between routing, between dispatching, between, you know, all the other small areas, field trip, charter coordinators, the supervisors. Um, those guys do an awesome job. Many of those supervisors that we have in place, once again, they started as drivers themselves. A lot of them are, are Ailey product. They mm-hmm. went to school here, graduated here. And so they know this area like like the back of their hands, and they're very devoted and and dedicated to ensuring that we transport not only the kids safely, but that we do it in the most effective and efficient right. ways. And so um, that's pretty much yeah. in, in a nutshell. It, mm-hmm. it, it, well, I want to say something about the uh, smart tag, the system that he yeah. says we're using. In the past, we have had you know problems with kids getting on the wrong bus, and since uh, Richard. Torres has been in. He brought that system in for us. And what it does for the bus driver, if the school accidentally put a kid on the wrong bus when they scan in Mm -hmm. and they're calling as far as dispatch for the student, it doesn't matter if it's high school, elementary or middle school. We know exactly if they're on the bus. When they try to scan off, we know exactly what stop they got off on. Right. So if we have problems trying to find a kid, we know exactly where the kid is, and I think it's a helpful tool for us. Ron, as a, as a driver, as a longtime driver, I mean, you've seen and experienced all the things Richard talked about that is that kind of falls under the, the umbrella of transporting kids. But from a driver's perspective, you're, you're almost like a pilot. You know, you mentioned the air traffic controller with your dispatchers. I'm sitting here listening to you talk, and, and I've obviously observed this as a in, in my role in, in education. You're you're like a pilot, and you're responsible for souls, kids on your bus. Talk about that responsibility, and uh, just from the personal perspective, Ron. Well, like you say, as being a pilot, I think the most important part that we take for granted is being patient and taking our time once we behind that wheel. Uh, we deal with a lot of impatient drivers just as well as, uh, you know, it's impatient for us sometimes. Right. But as far as uh, you have to be patient, take your time. We're not in a hurry to get anywhere. I think it's good if we run 10 minutes behind rather than trying to beat the time to get there. If you have to pick up at 7 o'clock, if we're there at 7.15, that's okay. The key part is for us to try to get these kids you know, to school safe and home safe. So I think the key part that we try to implement is just 
being patient and take your time. What's made you stay in this profession for 24 years? What is it about it? I think a lot of time it's, it, it comes from when we was kids and, and dealing with the changes of how time has changed. And uh, being a parent, my kids went here to A-Leaf and being a parent, you know, being able to, to change what you have to with how the future is heading. I uh, grew up playing golf. I have uh, gave lessons with kids and taught them how to play golf and stuff. And I just think the passion of helping, being around kids is what it is and yeah, stuff. It's got to be, right? Yeah. <laughs> you can't <laughs> do it tell, for this long. They tell me I'm crazy, but I say, <laughs> hey, someone had to be patient with me when I was a kid. And, yes. and I think that's the uh, toughest part. Uh, we deal with a thousand different attitudes on the bus. And we cannot take anything personal, you know, that we hear from the kids. You know, you just have to change. That's that's a that's a good perspective, uh, Richard. You were talking about earlier just the 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 broad spectrum of responsibilities. Just put in perspective the the transportation department in our district with some information like how many buses, how many kids do we transport? That just so people get a some context about what that looks like. Absolutely. To kind of shed some light a little bit on the perspective perspective, it, uh, we have a, about 340 buses between special and regular ed. Uh, we travel a little bit more than 3 million miles a year between regular routes and tutorials and shuttles and after-school activities. We transport about 27,000 students. Every day, and every day between average. you know between you know routes and shuttles and so forth. So it's it's a it's a big operation. And one of the things that that I want to shed some light on what um, what Ron said is that you know we live in a the size of our district's a little you know it's kind of small compared to other districts. And one of the things that Ron had you know shed some light on is that it's all inner city. And so when buses are are traveling, we're dealing with other commuters. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to kind of clarify a little bit of what. Ron was saying is that sometimes those commuters get impatient and um, and want to pass buses and so forth. And so because of the area that we're in, it, it does require our drivers to be more cautious and more careful. We always preach to them to be safe. You know, we'd rather you be safe and take your time than to hurry and create a situation. So once again, it is it is a big operation, but um, on a yearly average, more about 3.7 million miles between routes and all the tutorials that we do, the shuttles that we do from the high schools to CTE. Mm-hmm. There's a large number of buses that uh, serve our students after school for after school activities. And so between all those different facets, it, it equates about 3.7 million miles a year. Every day you're putting roughly 27,000, 28,000 kids on a bus of all ages. Of all ages, correct. I'm sitting there thinking that I don't know how many, how many people fly southwest at a hobby on any given day, it's not 27,000, I'll promise you that. No, I don't think so. (laughs) And you as a driver, and then you as the person responsible for that entire operation, it's a lot of responsibility. And we joke about it, but it's not a joke. You literally, in transportation, both of you have no margin for error. None none whatsoever. Right? No. you, you can't lose one kid and say, well, we only lost one kid. No. Absolutely correct. There's a lot of areas where we can do something and make a mistake, and it's okay. We can kind of fix that mistake. In transportation, 
that is not okay. Talk about that responsibility a little bit, either one of you guys. But well, that's a, you know, like you said, that is a huge responsibility, and that's why we try to take safety as a number one priority um, compared to other school districts. And I've, I've had the opportunity to collaborate with many other school districts, and many of them meet, you know, of course, they they have general meetings before in-service, and, and they may have one or two meetings throughout the year, but we, we take that. We're blessed to have the opportunity to meet and actually have weekly safety meetings. So every Wednesday every Wednesday of every week uh, we may have one or two that due to s- some scheduling we don't we don't have it but e- every week we you know we meet with drivers and we meet with our attendants and our sped area and we kind of hammer down on the importance of safety and and it gives us an opportunity to communicate every weekly on why are we here and, and who do we serve and it does allow us to really, hammer down on important safety issues. And I think having those meetings is extremely beneficial. When I first started here, and I'm like, okay, you're meeting every week. Oh, my God, that's overdoing it. But as you said earlier, the margin of error is none. And so I would rather overmeet with our drivers and staff and be able to have the opportunity to cover important safety items and then then to meet once or twice a year, as many other, other districts do. So... I do want to say that I'm a hundred percent. Our our drivers are if if you you know if you had the opportunity to hear on the radio, they're a hundred percent committed to our kids, and not only our kids but to the general public. Uh, we've had drivers that have come over the radio and say, "Hey, there's a pedestrian that just you know this happened or whatever," yeah, and yeah. we're there to you know to help them out. So uh, I'm once again I'm blessed. I have a very good team, not only staff, but I have, in my opinion, the best drivers here. A lot of them have been with us, like Ron, have been with us for a long time. They know the business, they do know the challenges, and they're 100% committed to our kids. I think safety is more of a big part of responsibility. For like example, with our uh, kindergartners, we have kindergartners. They are red or green tag. Green tag means you can release the student without a parent being there. Red tag, the parent has to be out in front, you know, where we can uh, see the name that's on the tag, making sure the tag and the plaque, it's a plaque, has the same name. So I think that's one of the big safety issues that we have to have, that we've been dealing with for the last five or six years as far as the big part of safety. I think that's a really vital point that times have changed so much in society and obviously schools and transportation being a part of schools, we've had to adapt to those either those threats to our kids, those safety and security threats. I think most people don't think about a kindergartner or a first grader to the extent our bus driver makes sure that we're dropping that little boy or that little girl off and the appropriate adult is there to accept them with all the things that have, you know, you've, you have split marriages, you have, you know, divorce decrees that give moms and dads different types of of access to kids or you just have people out there who want to do harm uh, who are bad actors we have to act every day to prevent that and so ron what you're talking about yeah i mean so it's more than just driving a bus it's more than getting your cdl and sitting in that chair and and driving it's your response you've just now as a bus driver taken full responsibility for 40, 50 kids, however many you may have on your bus. We're almost like a second parent yes, sir. Uh, to yes, these sir. kids. I mean, yes, our hands are tied with a lot of things we can say and can't do. But as far as being a responsible adult 
carrying uh, people, kids around. Yes, I mean, we're a parent, we're a bus driver, we're a friend, but, you know, you have to be understanding when it is certain issues you're dealing with, kids from high school, middle school, and elementary. Talk, Ron, talk about that just a little bit. How do you go about trying to build relationships with these kids? Because you're going to see most of them twice a day at a minimum. How do you go approach that? How do you, how do you sustain uh, building a relationship and, on your bus just like a teacher might do in a classroom? First of all, I think the number one part when we pick them up early in the morning, we have them in the morning and in the afternoon. First thing, greet them. Good morning. How are you doing? You know, make them feel we're the first one that they see and also sometimes the last last one that we see when they're getting off our bus. And I, I think just greeting them with good morning, have a good day, have a good afternoon, things like that. Just letting them know you care, right? Yeah. Yeah. Let them know that you care about yeah. them. I also think bullying is a number one deal that we deal mm-hmm. with our kids on the school bus. Kids are not always going to get along, but it's a big deal right. in our school district, also on the bus. And for something to happen, the kids will come and say, Mr. Ron, Tim is picking on me or saying something bad. I think for a driver, you know, we have to take quick action and do things right. that we have to let the school know about. Yeah. You, you guys are putting up and dealing with very, very similar situations that a teacher are dealing with in a classroom. The difference is, is you got your back to them and you're driving a... A 40-foot bus? A 40-foot <laughs> vehicle. <laughs> and so you're, yeah, you're, you're driving, steering, paying attention to what's going on and trying to make sure something, whether it's, you know, kids picking on each other or something even worse or there's a lot going on. A lot going on, and for for you personally, uh, and then those drivers like yourself who attempt to build some type of relationship with these kids for that brief amount of time you're with them, you're doing that on top of taking care of their safety and security. And I think families, while they'll never tell you this, they they, they appreciate that. They, I know I appreciate that. You mentioned earlier that we, on a typical year, we put about three and a half, three point eight million miles on on buses. Talk about the quantity of fuel. Like when we buy, whether it's gasoline or diesel, the amount of tires. And you mentioned very briefly earlier that we've got a full-blown garage Mm -hmm. with mechanics Mm -hmm. that are working sometimes 24 hours a day. See, I can pass by that place at 5 in the morning, and those garage doors are up and they're working. I can go by at 9 o'clock at night. Sometimes those garage doors are up and they're working. Maybe put into context what that looks like. Well, you know, I had mentioned at the beginning that uh, each area – for example, and I'll shed very, very small, and then I'll kind of dive into the shop. You know, for from a routing perspective, we do have software that handles the routing aspect, and we do have respective software that handles, you know, items such as field trips and so forth. But we also have respective software in the shop that allows us to enter in all our vehicles that we have. This respective software allows us and keeps us on us on our toes and advises us when certain preventive maintenance right. items are due, tires, oil changes, and so forth. It does help us uh, keep all those items because when you're dealing with a lot of vehicles, you have to have a very robust software to say, hey, you know, vehicle 50s do for a, for a PM, uh, vehicle 50s do for brakes, you know, mm-hmm. tires and oil changes and so forth. But yeah, we do have a, we've had that in place for many years and, and many school districts have that in place. But, uh, you know, you had mentioned some item about fuel and we probably go through about $2 million worth of fuel a year. And remember, 
the fuel that we uh, that we purchase and we house there at each facility is also the fuel that that is used to to not only fuel our buses but our fuel our white fleet. So all the maintenance vehicles, you know, nutrition vehicles and so forth also come to our facilities for fuel. But uh, on a year, yearly annual basis, we'll procure or purchase anywhere about $2 million worth of fuel a year. From a tire perspective, I don't have the actual number of how many tires we change, but uh, we do rely on that program that, right. uh, that I mentioned to help us keep tabs on tires, make sure that, you know, that each bus, each respective vehicle is, uh, has the adequate you know, tires that, mm-hmm. that it needs to be and that we don't go over and so forth. But, uh, yeah, it, it, that's another area that really has a science in its own, you know, to be able to, to have the respective laptops in place. A lot of these buses uh, that come in, uh, a lot of the buses that we buy have different type of engines. Uh, we have gasoline engines, diesel engines, and so each different brand or model has its own respective software. And so we have to have that specific software in place so that we are able to better diagnose the engine when there's an issue and so forth. So that's another area that really it has its own science in itself to right. be able to manage and run and operate and so forth. Now that's a big operation. And also, for instance, for my route, I gas up three times a week as far as diesel mm-hmm. is what we have now for my bus. Right. And just think what it would cost, you know, if you had to gas up three times a week. In your own you vehicle. Know, in your own vehicle. Well, and I don't know what, what size fuel tank these buses 60. have. 60. 60 gallons? Yes. Well, back in, I think I, I think I started in 014, and 014 we started specking buses, and that's a whole other topic, too. Yeah. We could talk about specking buses <laughs> for a good hour, but uh, when we started specking and acquiring buses, when I came in in 014, uh, we were specking those buses at 100 gallons. Buses have really evolved a long right. way. I mean, if you look at a bus back in the 70s, 80s, and you compare it to the bus that we see today, it's they've gone through huge, huge improvements. Like and, a car. Absolutely. Yeah. And so what a lot of districts do, you know, because there is a big item that are subject across our, our not only our neighboring districts, but Texas-wide is, is driver shortage. And so um, districts do nowadays, they do a very dynamic job of ensuring to retain our drivers of, of specking good quality buses. And when I, what I talk about specking is that no one would ever imagine, and I'm going to tell you right now, in the summertime, just, just, just look at the summertime. It gets hot. No one would ever imagine driving their own vehicle. And so many districts now, when they spec buses, they include AC. Mm-hmm. A lot of these buses have very, very extensive cameras for safety. Back in the 80s, 90s, it was just, you know, buses would come with one camera. Now it's not unusual for the, the buses we spec now come up to seven cameras. And so that technology has really, really evolved. Um, the cockpit of the bus now, mm-hmm. it's really catered to the driver. If you have your driver happy, then you're going to keep your, your you know, driver. So right. there's a lot of the specking buses is a whole different dynamics. And just for those people that don't know, um, there's up to 20,000 different options when ordering a bus. So I bet you a lot of people <laughs> didn't realize that and know yeah. that. 20,000 decision points. <laughs> Goodness gracious. What's the average 72-passenger bus cost that we're buying right now? 
Um, it all once again, it all depends yeah. on on how you spec it. But uh, if you take a, a seventy two passenger and you outfit it with you know your basic cameras and your AC, you're looking at about over a hundred thousand dollars. Don't forget the radio. Yeah, well, yeah, the radio, <laughs> yeah. the radio to communicate. Yeah, yeah. where when if you look at that number in the past. So, for example, if you took that same bus and you said, okay, I'm going to buy that same bus in, in the year 2000, you're probably looking at about 60. So the price yeah. has really jumped. Of course, that price really has jumped because the feds and stuff, they added, you know, SCR technology of cleaning up diesel and getting, you know, cleaning up that whole area. That added a huge amount of cost to the bus. But, yeah, nowadays a typical 72 passenger AC with the radio – and cameras is it runs about over a hundred thousand. And we usually try to get what fifteen twenty years out of one, or does it depend? Different districts look at it differently because of, of the area. So it all right. depends on you know, the area. Yeah. A good rule of thumb is to incorporate yeah. a fifteen year replacement school bus cycle. replacement cycle. That kind of, and you got to realize a lot of our listeners don't realize that a lot of these buses. Think about it; they're stopping, going, oh, yeah. stopping, yeah. going, and then. Think about the number of kids that get on that bus and get off. A lot of what I've seen in, in the business is that a lot of districts are migrating from 15 to 10. Because think about it. Think about the millions of miles that we put on them, the number of kids that get on, and then this vehicle stopping, going, stopping, going. And it's, there's a lot of wear and tear there. At some point, and obviously mechanics and those who deal with the, the engineers who deal with this, there's a point of diminishing return. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, you may be saving a few dollars by not having to buy a bus for three or four years, but it may be costing you twice that much to keep that bus on the road. Absolutely. In a safe, in a safe way. Let's talk about, you mentioned this earlier, and this is the, uh, the not the elephant in the room. Everybody's dealing with it, having to deal with it, not just us. The driver shortage. You know, I just want to say this so people understand that we have, we have schools, we have parents, we have kids who get frustrated all the time because either their bus didn't pick them up on time or they had to wait for one route to be completed or to pick them up. And so it's a problem. And it's not just a problem in A-Leaf. It, this is a problem across the state of Texas. We're doing everything we can do to mitigate that. Uh, we've just implemented a new incentive, if you will, for some of our staff to drive who currently don't drive to take some of the pressure off of our current drivers. I would like just to hear you talk about this shortage and what is it – I know what it's doing to you in terms of keeping you up at night, trying to figure out we're going to have enough drivers tomorrow. What's it doing to you, Ron, as a driver? Are you having to cover for for others, and are you feeling the brunt of the frustration sometimes? I mean, oh yes, I'm feeling the brunt. My schedule when I clock in at six o'clock, I get handed my route sheet. Then I get handed two more route sheets. The problem that I have, you know, is for for the kids. A lot of these kids. We'll start with high school because each level get picked up at a different time. Sometimes you get these high school kids out there at 6.15. They do not get to school until almost 7.10, 7.15. So they're out there waiting, you know, over 45 minutes to an hour. And it's hard to explain why we're late as a driver. As a driver, we do our best to combine the kids together, but the bus is only going to allow you, right. you know, high school kids to pick up 50 kids. Right. Just because of the size. Because of the size of the kids. Right. And, I mean, it's it's stressful on everybody, not just the driver, not just, uh, you know, our director. It's throughout the district. Yep. It, yep. it stressed everybody out, and we're trying our best. What are the pressures being put on 
those who drive buses, where are they going? Why are we seeing this shortage? I think to answer that adequately, you have to look at many factors. And, and I think the biggest factor is that, you know, the economy is strong. And so maybe individuals that applied for these positions in the past have other avenues to go to. Another reality is, and I'm not afraid to mention it, is that it is tough to be a driver. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we mentioned earlier this morning that the driver's not only operating a 40-foot vehicle, but he's trying to navigate through traffic. He's trying to monitor the kids. He's trying to get from point A to point B. It is a very tough job. And so another perspective is that there is a lot of other uh, jobs out there that require the CDL that, you know, it is what it is. They pay, they a, higher, they pay yeah. a higher rate. And so there's a lot of elements. There's many, many elements that I think impact that. I don't think it's fair to just say, okay, it's because of this. There's the economy. Another thing that makes it a little tough and you can't you can't shy away from it is that sometimes the actual position of a bus driver is a part-time position. I yep. mean, it's not a full-time position. Of course, what I'm blessed with here is that we do provide our drivers with many avenues, many avenues. And when I say many, we... I want to preface that our drivers have the opportunity to to get extra hours because we we do have programs like shuttles and mm-hmm. tutorials. We do have a lot of programs after school. And so that's one of the things that I think I'm I'm kind of blessed with is that we do allow our drivers the areas, the avenues to to get a little bit extras right, there. Right. But to get back, I think there's a lot of factors. Another important factor is that from a hiring perspective, because we want to make sure that we employ quality people, qual- you know, people that we can trust and so forth. I mean, when we look at hiring a driver, we, we look at their driving record. You know, we, we want to make sure that they have a clean driving record. We want to make sure that when we look at their background checks that we're hiring good, clean, mm-hmm. quality people. From a DPS perspective, DPS, I remember back when I got my CDL, it wasn't even called a CDL back then, but when I got my commercial license, I think it took me a week or two weeks to get it. Now, it's a lot more difficult. Right. The, I guess, TxDOT or you know the FMCSA, they've added so many different requirements. And so the timeline to, for someone to study the book and get familiar with, you know, to, to be prepared to take the written and then ultimately the road test, that has gotten very extensive and it takes a little bit longer to do. So there's, there's just right. a lot of factors involved. You really can't just say it's because of this that we have a shortage. Now, what I will tell you is that, is that districts are going to have to get very creative on how to not only recruit but retain a CDL driver. And so... Many districts are giving and doing sign-on bonuses. Mm-hmm. Hey, if, if you sign on with us, I'm doing a $1,000 sign-on bonus. And and they're doing incentives for, for those drivers that can report to work on time and, and have perfect attendance. So I think what districts not only will see now and into the future is that they're gonna, you're going to see that they're going to implement creative methodologies to not only recruit people to come in, but to also keep them. But it's exactly what you said. It's an item of concern that not only impacts us, but it's an item of concern that impacts everybody. I'm not going to mention our neighboring school districts, but I will tell you that our neighboring school districts are battling the same issue. They have 69 routes, open routes to cover. Another neighboring school district that I know is in the 40s. So it's an item of concern, not only here, but statewide. I also, being a driver, hanging in there for 24 years and seeing a lot of new drivers come in and a a lot of new drivers leave, I mean, same way with teachers, custodian, 
and across the board. I mean, I don't know what we have to do to try to pay more as far as salary. Mm-hmm. Like I say, I, I mean, I have been blessed to hang in there to allow myself to be able to do trips, do after-school programs. But when these new hires come in, I mean, we have them on probation for a month or two, determine on, you know, if they can get out there and drive on their own without being shadowed with someone helping them and stuff. But I, I think the the big picture is a lot of times we have single parents coming in as far as being drivers, doing this and doing that, and just can't survive. Yeah, it's it's there's no doubt. Part of it's financial, you know, salary, money. And the reason it's that, as you mentioned earlier, Richard, is there's there's pressures coming from the economy. And for those who would otherwise perhaps consider driving a bus or working in other similar type environments, you can go drive for um, an 18-wheeler semi in the, in the Permian Basin with all the oil and gas that's going on down there and make two, three, four times the amount of money in the private sector as opposed to what in the public sector. So, so yeah, it's a, it's a combination of, of issues. I think it deserves attention in settings like this where we're, you know, people that perhaps aren't in the in the business understand what what's happening. And if you're a, a parent out there and you're not sure why your child's getting home a little later than they used to, or if you're a principal and you're frustrated because this this route keeps you know showing up showing late. up late, <laughs> yeah. And and y'all hear from them, I, I know that. Yes. But I think there's reasons for that, and it's not like someone's sitting on their hands and there's no one doing anything about it. Uh, if we could find the drivers, we'd put them to work tomorrow. Yes. And there's a ton of things we could go into or go into more detail that, that you brought up. But is there anything from your perspective, Richard, as the director of transportation, you would like for people to know that we haven't talked about? And then subsequently, Ron, anything from a driver's perspective you you'd like to us to know or the, the, hear, the listeners to know? Well, one of the things that I want to reiterate is, you know, you just mentioned an item is that we are diligent. You know, our number one objective when we get to work is we, we want to make sure parents understand that that we're hearing their concerns and that we know that that we have some challenges, but that we're, we're working diligently to address that. And uh, we take this job very seriously. It's a, it's a huge endeavor that we have, and everybody in our team knows it, from the dispatcher to the router to the special need coordinator to, to the mechanics, and, and they're 100% committed to our kids. And, and we know that, that we're, we we got to do a little bit of work to cover these open routes. We just had a job fair, mm-hmm. a very successful job fair this week or this past week. And so we're taking that very seriously. We had very good turnaround, and so we're we're reaching out to these people to make sure that we continue to engage them and get them processed as quickly as we can. It, it's a big, huge endeavor to to really get someone that doesn't have a CDL to get them to to the point that they're driving a bus. But we're doing those things. We're doing job fairs, and we're communicating, and we're doing what we can to fill those routes. And so I just want to what I want to convey to to the parents and to the principals and schools is that we take this job very seriously and we're striving each day to make sure that that we get to that point it's not something that we're just going to be complacent about and not and not do things i would say as a driver but also as a parent i would love to see the parents come out to meet drivers when uh we're responsible for their kids uh 
sometimes two and three years we have these kids and mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, from the time they're in kindergarten, fourth grade or fifth grade or ninth grade in high school coming out, you know, for senior. As a parent and a driver, I would love to know who's driving my uh, kid around. Almost like a bus driver open house. <laughs> <laughs> open bus. <laughs> Do your open bus. You know. You come look at your bus. <laughs> well, this is uh, I, this is going to goes without saying that everyone in this district, I don't know if they understand, but they appreciate not only what you do, but they also appreciate what you're up against. People get frustrated all the time. I get, trust me, I frustrate people a lot. But this notion, and, and I want to go back to something Ron said early on, the idea that the bottom line is, is that if I've got to be five minutes late in order to ensure that that child or that bus is there safely, then we're going to be five minutes late. And don't want to be, if that's the choice, if that's the choice I'm given, I can rush and get in a hurry, or I can ensure the safety of my ki- of your kids. But as a superintendent, I will support that decision every single day, every single time. And I think that kind of encapsulates what you guys are attempting to do. I'm hoping that those of you that are listening to this understand a little bit better all the moving parts that go into what got that bus on the street to begin with. And the men and women that you'll never meet who are working on them, who are recognizing we need a brake job here or we need a new set of tires here, that those men and women who you may never meet, but they are the ones who are also similar that are working on that jet that you may be flying that you never met, but your life is in their hands, so to speak. We treat that, Richard, Ron, your colleagues treat, treat our buses and our kids the same way. And for that, I'm grateful. Absolutely. I'm extremely grateful, and the, and the community should be grateful as well. With that, thank you, guys. Really do appreciate thank it. Thank you. This is, this is interesting. We've had conversations about various departments, and I've been wanting to do it on transportation for a long time. <laughs> so I uh, appreciate you all sticking with us. Thank you guys for listening. For those of you uh, interested uh, in more, you know where to, to look. Go to the Aleaf website under transportation, and there's all kinds of information there. If you think you might want to drive a bus— or explore looking into driving a bus, do the same thing. There's information on our website, both under transportation and under human resources, that you can explore. And if nothing else, call and ask questions, and we'll be happy to direct you to the right people who can answer them. Uh, But with that, thank you for listening. This has been Impact Ed. I'm H.D. Chambers. Thanks, and have a great day. Thank you. Thank you. This has been an AMP production.